Last week, James was sharing about the question that we may have in our hearts as believers about whether or not our soul is saved. We hear about it, you know, God saving our souls and, and the ramifications of where we are in believing about what God has done regarding our souls. And he went, went to the passage there in Hebrews and talked about how the, the, the word, this message that we hear about the finished work of Christ goes further than bone and marrow. It goes and right into the heart and soul of man, deals with our spirit. And how that there is a supernatural circumcision that takes place. The finger of God himself is injected within our lives in this planet. And he actually cuts away the flesh, the sin in the flesh. And he quarantines a place for the spirit of God to dwell within us. And as a result, we have communion with the Lord on a continual basis. And then a few weeks ago, I was sharing with you about how that... Um, out of uh, the experience that Jesus had with his apostles, they were at the Last Supper that I call Divine Dining. And uh, in that experience, he began sharing with them, listen, there's a lot of things that I could tell you right now, but I just don't have, you, you couldn't handle it. But he's saying, listen, the truths that you should know, the one who will come after me, he will lead you into all the truth that you need to know. You see, and we, we went to that passage and understood that context, and we started talking about several of the truths that I've been meditating on personally, and we interacted a little bit about that. One of those truths was the difference between uh, the reality of the new covenant and the old covenant. How that the new covenant is a covenant that has been cut between God the Father and God the Son. Man has nothing to do with it. And as a result, the supernatural experience is God says, no longer have I cut a, a covenant with between uh, man and God where we can blow it. But now he's made it perfect so that if we simply believe on the one whom God has sent, we're in the new and no longer in the old. You see? And it'll transform not only your mind, but the way that you live on planet. I mean, it's just an awesome experience. It gives you faith for praying for the sick. It gives you faith to believe for your healing. It gives you incredible, abundant joy in the Holy Spirit, day-to-day living. We talked about one of the ideas that we, we were talking about was um, um, the, the whole concept of living in grace and what it means regarding the difference between grace and mercy. And we elaborate a little bit, a, a little bit on that. Uh, we talked about... Um, um, revelation, the difference between revelation and reason. How that it is the function of the Spirit for us to receive revelation that re- renews our mind and however, how, how that our mind is actually a, a, a functions with reason. I talked to you a little bit about uh, one, of the, one of the truths that I, I've been throwing around and meditating on. Um, uh, that just really excites me, is the difference between, but how similar they are, the difference between God's will and God's guidance. How that you can't miss the will of God, but sometimes we can really blow it when it comes to guidance, because God always relegates us to our own choice. He never takes away the sovereignty that He's given us. He always lets us function. Do you continue to believe? Yes, I do, Lord. Do you want to do this today? Yes, I do, Lord. Well, go ahead. you got the consequences, whether it's right or wrong. Here we go. <laughs> you see, choice is always a valued commodity in our relationship with God. 
because he, he, get, he lets us be able to continually ponder the truth that is coming more and more clean in our heart. Another truth that I shared a little bit about was the whole idea of what God means when he says, I forgive you. And the whole issue of how that when Jesus did what he did on the cross, our past, our present, and our future has been dealt with. Which is an awesome reality. And let's all dance. <laughs> and, uh, but these are some of the truths that, that we just kind of went over real fast. As a result of that, and in preparing for today... I really uh, felt that there, there are probably some things going on in your individual lives, just as in my, my life. Not only are the things happening corporately, but there's things happening, happening in our individual lives as believers that I thought it would be interesting just to have a very short comment or just a, a few sentences regarding some of the truth or truths, whether they be associated with some of these that we've shared, whether it be associated with what's been shared over the last few weeks by, by James. But what's happening in your heart regarding the revelation of the, the truths of God's grace in your life? Would anybody like to just say a, a thing or two at this point? We'd like to, like to hear what you have to say. Anyone? Did I catch you blindsided here? Okay, ponder that. So I may get to my thought today. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'd, I'd, yes. Yes. You were talking about reason in the mind. Yes. It, we may have this all in our heads and in our hearts, but we lose it if we don't continue, continue, continue to, to seek God, to be in communion with him, with the word, and with believers. Yes. That's, that's part of our human nature is we just lose it or it leaks out. Yes. That is great because that's going to be some of the thought that I'm sharing with you today. The function of the Spirit in the unbeliever's life is to convict them of sin that they might repent. But the function of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life is to remind us, to continually regenerate within us, bringing it to us, our remembrance. When Jesus broke the bread and he took the wine, he said, Do this in remembrance of me. That was an outward expression. The inward expression is the Holy Spirit is constantly bringing to our remembrance the reality of what God has done in Christ. That's the joy of our salvation. You see, we're not out here wondering, well, is this true or not? You know, uh, we're always, the Lord's always coming to us and saying, this is true. This is true. You can believe this. Continue to believe. Continue to believe. Okay, with that said, anyone else? Excellent, excellent. Anyone else? A comment? Yes, Kenny? I think it's really cool to understand that we, uh, the one scripture that comes from Corinthians where it says that we have this treasure in earthen vessels, is that, that in this continuance of engaging with the Spirit and, and, uh, and realizing who we are in Christ and, and engaging in uh, our relationship in God uh, under this new covenant of His grace, it's super important what the brother was saying about the assembling of brothers and sisters together with the same mindset of uh, the finished work of Jesus. Yes. Uh, to continue in that faith and stuff. And uh, the one thing that's been really helping me is that the, the Spirit just keeps on bringing this one thing back. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency might be, be purely seen of being of God and not of ourselves. And I think that, it, that God constantly is giving us revelation as we fail in life or as we, we stumble and we fall many times, but we keep the faith 
and we keep fighting the fight of faith. And that fight of faith is to believe to the end. So it's so cool how the Holy Spirit comes back and says, isn't this cool? I can still uh, speak through you. I can still give you revelation to give to your brothers and sisters. Uh, I got to share the gospel yesterday to some some people, um, my cousin that came up from uh, from uh, Port Ritchie and stuff. So it was really, really cool to share with her family the whole the good news of God not no longer counting our sins against us anymore, but entrusting us with the, the grace of his, his love and mercy. So... And beyond mercy is, you know, love that's unconditional. So that what I see is the weakness. In my weakness, my weakness, Jesus becomes my strength to the max. And he just keeps reminding me that, that we're, we're, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. And it's, it's sometimes you, you don't have words to explain that. But it's like, Lord, how do you give these revelations to me? And I, you know, in the midst of sin or in the midst of failure, in the midst of weakness, yet God says, I am moving in you. I am constantly moving in you. So uh, he puts the death to deeds in my flesh. And there's no longer this, this struggle that used to be. But uh, that's where I see that the, the one main thing that's coming up to me is that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. You know, the earthen vessel is going to fall every once in a while, whatever, and blow it. But it's also the Spirit of God will come up like tw- twice over and give you revelation. It's like, Lord, you are so cool. So God is good, man. God's good. Amen. Amen. God is good. Ah, yes. It reminds me of the little chorus. Let's just sing that chorus together right now. God is good. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. You're so good to me. Let's sing it, You Love Me So. You love me so. You love me so. You love me so, you're so good to me. Let's sing it, you're here in me. You're here in me. You're here in me. You're here in me. You're so good to me. Amen. <laughs> oh, I get chills when I just think about that stuff. That's awesome. All right. I'm going to ask if you would. Um, You ever had a situation where you want to share things and you don't really know where to start? But turn with me to the book of Acts and let's look in the 17th chapter. Now James last week was talking about our relationship with the Lord and how again he has saved our soul. And the whole issue then of how he regenerates our mind and all that kind of good thing. In Acts chapter 17... There's an experience going on in the life of Paul where he is being, he's going from place to place and one of the, he's gone through a city called Thessalonica, he leaves that place and he goes to another city in Greece called Athens 
And in about, uh, let's say, um, let's start with verse 14. The 17th chapter of Acts, verse 14. Now those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. Okay? So Paul is in Athens. He's commissioned Silas and Timothy to come to meet him in Athens. But the people that had brought him there, they leave. So Paul is in Athens. Now while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was being provoked within him. What was going on? God was, through the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of Christ rising up within him, revealing to him something that he was going to be a part of now. Okay? Provoked within him as he was beholding a city full of idols. Okay? He's, Greece was uh, the, the center of world thought. Uh, intellectuals, uh, philosophers, uh, science was uh, at an apex. And here he is in this city. So he was reasoning. Where does Paul go? Yeah, he, take, he goes, well, I think I'll just go to the synagogue. <laughs> so Paul, he goes to the synagogue. He was reasoning in the synagogue with, with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles. And in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be present. So he went to the synagogue, and when the people were coming to the synagogue, he seized the opportunity to begin t- sharing there. When they closed the doors there for their meetings, they went away from the synagogue, and he went to the marketplace downtown. He went to the mall. And uh, he said, oh, I'm going to sit right here by the escalator and see what happens. And people would come in and out, out of the marketplace, and he would begin sharing, sharing, sharing this, this work that had gone on in his life, this revelation that he had had. And also some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers were conversing with him. So he's sitting in the mall and these Epicureans and these Stoic philosophers show up and they start sitting there waiting on their wives to get out of the beauty parlor. And uh, they're sitting there and he starts going, Hey guys, did you know that God has forgiven your sins and that he no longer holds your sins against you? And they start going, Hmm. Some of them were saying, What would this idle babbler wish to say? They'd never heard this before, you see. Others, he seems to be a proclaimer of strange deities. That's all in parentheses. Then he says, because, the writer here of Acts, Luke goes, because Paul was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. He wasn't just preaching the Jesus that they historically knew, but added to that now was the work that Jesus did. He was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. This was new to these guys. The Stoics were beginning to get rattled. The philosophers were getting to become filleted. Okay? And all of a sudden they were like, oh man, this is getting wild. Verse 19. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying... May we know what this new teaching is which you are proclaiming? For you are bringing some strange things to our ears. We want to know, therefore, what these things mean. Man, are they opening the door for Paul. They took him away from the mall, and they said, Let's go to City Hall. 
We're going to take you down here where the big guys are. We got it. We want to hear really, you know, all these philosophers that you've been exposed to in the mall. We want, we want to show you our buddies down here in the middle of the big place, the Areopagus. In parentheses, now all the Athenians and the strangers visiting there used to spend their time in nothing other than telling or hearing something new. That was what they spent their time doing. They were into this exchange of ideas. And Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious. Guys, in the middle of the American culture, we can observe that we've got a lot of people that are very religious. They are spiritual philosophers. We can tend to become spiritual Stoics. Okay? But Paul's about to be unleashed in the spirit here. And let's see what happens. I observe that you are very religious in all aspects, all respects. For while I was passing through from the mall to the city hall and examining the objects of your worship, the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. Boy, don't you know that lit his fire? He's trekking along following these philosophers and these Epicureans, and he looks and he sees this idol to Zeus and this idol to whoever, and this philosopher over here and his name. And, car. and then there was this slab, and it said, To the unknown God. And the Holy Spirit within him triggered. Let's read on. What therefore you worship in ignorance, because they chose not to believe that there was a God that was knowable. He says, What therefore you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. And the Holy Spirit, I could just see rising up in Paul, and he, he let it loose. The God who made the world and all things in it, since He is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, He's not dwelling here in the Areopagus. He's not in that synagogue over there. He wasn't in the mall. I'm here to tell you some better news, and it's going to be really strange. You think that you've heard something weird? It's about to hit the fan. He keeps on talking. Neither is God served by human hands as though He needed anything since He Himself gives to all life and breath and all things. And He made from one every nation of mankind to live on the, all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation, that they should seek God, if perhaps they might grope for Him and find Him, though He is not far from each one of us. Now that's the line right there I'm going to talk to you about today. Paul stands up in the middle of those that were educated, those that were intellectual, those that didn't really understand why the idols were there or why there was the marquee saying to the unknown God. And he begins to proclaim and begin to say, all of this idolatry and all this statement of the unknown God, I have some good news for you today. The God that you are thinking about he is not far from each one of you. And he begins to open the veil for them. For in him 
we live and move and have our being. Another scripture says we exist. I like the, the, and by the way, that's in italics because actually the inference there in the Greek is in him we live, we move, and are. And so Paul came unglued. Instead of just being the little sprinkler that was kind of the cap came off the fire hydrant. There was a gusher taking place. And as a result, he began to say, Listen, you've been looking at these idols of gold and silver and stone and these marquees. I have a better, I have a better word for you. And he went on to preach the gospel. And it says here that he actually, verse 31, he winds up by saying that in the Christ he gave finished, furnished proof to all men He went back to teaching them about raising Christ from the dead. He was not only presenting the historical Jesus, but he was presenting to them what Jesus did in the flesh that would cause cataclysmic renewal of the human heart because he came back from the dead in order that he may no longer be a God that was in the synagogue to be found, in the Aragopagus that could be discussed. But now he was a God that had ignited the hearts of men and the Holy Spirit now had come to be renewed upon the face of the planet. He no longer lived in the Ark of the Covenant. He no longer was being sought through the intellectual mind of man. But now the Holy Spirit came to reside within the human heart because Jesus Christ Himself had provided the Spirit to lead us, them and Him and us into the truth that we now live in. And that is constant and continual relationship with the living God by faith. Hallelujah! You can't get beyond that, folks. Now, I tend to get a little excited about relationship with God. I get a little excited about reading the Word of God in the written form, but I get more excited about the Word of God, the revelation of Christ Himself in the human heart. Because it is out of that truth that we live, we move, and we are. And we are. Now, I'm going to have to watch my time here, folks. See, I only get to speak every few weeks or months. Okay. (laughs) Oh, Lord. I love it. Love it. Um, The Spirit of God continually making an assumption that as human creatures, as the creation of the living God on the face of the earth, Every one of us fall into basically either we believe by faith and we're walking in the Spirit, living in the Spirit. If we're not an unbeliever, we're believers. So in faith, as we believe, we continue to believe. Folks, we have to continually wade through the minutiae of religion and the American churchianity. We're constantly having to wade through the minutia of our religious peers, our religious families, our religious fellow believers. We're constantly having to wade through the minutia of 
I put a term here, our exposure to, de- to denominational doctrines. We're having to constantly wade through the minutiae of wrong teaching. Whether it's no teaching at all or the mixture of law and grace. We're constantly having to deal with the enemy himself, the tempter, the one who has no power over us, but yet tries to deceive us in our faith and steal away our faith. He will constantly try to line himself with false teaching like, you're a sinner saved by grace. James talked about this last week and Understand this, folks. As new covenant believers, we are no longer sinners saved by grace. That's a deception of the enemy. It's a lie of religious thinking. According to the new covenant, it takes more faith to me as a believer for me to try to believe I'm still a sinner saved by grace than it does for me to simply rest in what God has done in Christ and to rise up and say, He did it. I believe it. It's done. And no longer do I have to wrestle with this old thing called the sinful nature. Yes, it's there. I have sinned in the flesh. But guess what? We are more than conquerors through Christ who gave Himself for us. It's like when I come home at the end of the week and I say, Sweetheart, I put the check in the bank. She rises up and goes to the store. She's more than a conqueror. I conquered. She's more than a conqueror. What Jesus has done, He has purchased our salvation complete and thoroughly. And as a result, whenever anyone tries to come to you and tempt you away from staying in that posture, believing in that rest, resist the enemy, rise up in full faith and say, Get thee behind me, Satan. I will not go there. Because Satan will even rise up and be deceptive in religious teaching, in American churchianity, in our lack of our exposure to false teaching, the peer pressure of our loved ones. That's the reason we stay focused on Christ and Christ alone. What do we preach? Jesus and His resurrection. Oh yes, we're not stoic. We're not philosophers. We are born again believers that live and move and are because of what Jesus has done in our lives. Now, Know this, that we were a sinner. We have been saved. We are now saints. We have been moved from one realm of existence into another. No longer is the old man dominating, but no, we are new creations. Never has the half been told. We couldn't write it down in enough letters or say it long enough like Kenny said. We don't have enough words to express it. But in our own feeble way, we relate it to one another, not only to those that believe, but those that do not believe. We find ourselves in the era of Gopolis, and the Christ within us rises up. So when the saint gets up in the morning, we go to work. We go to the park. We go to the mall. We go to uh, the Publix. It doesn't matter where we go. Guess what? 
Christ is in you and He's in me. Wherever we go, He is in us. He's not just with us. He's not with us like, well, Christ is the chalkboard and He's right here with me. No! He has come to dwell within us. And where we go, He is there in us. That's why He's with us. He has come to dwell and take up habitation within our, within our hearts. Now, as God's creation on the face of the earth, I just wrote this down. I thought this was really cool, guys. As God's creation, we naturally breathe the air on the planet. Inhale, oxygen keeps us alive long enough to make a choice about, hmm, this looks like it could be nutritious. I think I'll eat some of this. And we keep ourselves on the face of the planet. As believers, as the new creation, we supernaturally partake of the Spirit. From the unseen realm, it's not of this planet, it's not the unseen wind that we can feel on our face and it blowing through the trees. What God has done for us, He's taken us by the Spirit out of this seen realm that speaks highly of Him. And He's placed us in the Christ in the heavenly places. And there's a new wind blowing. And that wind, that Spirit is what now? He has become our heavenly breath. When we inhale... We live, we move, and we are because He is within us. We breathe of Him. It's a natural function of our lungs to take on oxygen. It's a supernatural function of our spirit to take on the living Christ by the Spirit and faith. And we live and we move. And then we start saying, well, this is wonderful. What can I do to eat in order that I might have nutrition in my spiritual walk on the planet? And just as we see whole grain bread, I like this stuff. And it has the nutrients for sustenance of our cancerous ridden body or whatever. Guess what? The Holy Spirit says, now I'm going to give you some external hookups. I'm going to give you some external uh, uh, um, uh, life supports. That will encourage you, as the brother was saying here a while ago. Yes, I recommend constant and exposure to the reading of the scriptures with a heart of faith. Let the written word become the living word. I recommend gathering together with those that believe, whether the unbeliever shows up or not. Because one of the great privileges that we have as believers is to know that when we come together, the Spirit of Christ says, where two or more are gathered together in my name, I didn't just come with that individual, but I'm showing up in their midst and will manifest myself supernaturally. That's the reason whenever we lay hands on the sick, they will recover. That's the reason whenever we confess our faith to one another and the unbeliever hears the good news, they say, yes, that's what I want. And we say, freely, it's a gift, freely received. Go for it, dude. You see? So we come together and we have these experiences in a very supernatural way. When we exhale, all these toxins that were in our body and all these poisons, all this, this, is it carbon dioxide? Thank you, babe. My wife's a biologist. She's, we, we, I may get confused here a little bit. We exhale in all this stuff. This, this stuff that if we held our breath, we would just pass out. We would die. We exhale. There's a cleansing taking place. Has nothing to do with my life. It's just you know, the next breath, breathing the air is around me. In the spirit, here's what happens. 
We breathe into the Spirit of God by faith. The lungs of the Spirit. We take on the Christ. He refreshes us just as oxygen invigorates the blood in the body. So the Spirit of God renews and reminds us of the blood of Jesus Christ. And what He has done to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And He, we are reminded of that. It invigorates us in spirit. We come bold before the throne of God in the spirit. And then as all of a sudden we realize that, oh, there was a weakness in my flesh. I didn't forgive that brother or sister. I took advantage and had envy over here. God forbid except your grace, God, I would have been the guy that would have committed that that, that would have separated me from you. But guess what? The Spirit of God within us goes, Oh, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And guess what? Our exhale is our weaknesses in the flesh. Am I trying to get rid of the sin in my life? No, because guess what? He's doing it. We're perfect in the eyes of Christ. God is not judging us on what, what we can try to do or try not to do. Our judgment is based on what God has done and is complete and perfect. I like it. I like it. I like it. Now, our exhaling is not all negative. We exhale. You know what happens to that carbon dioxide? It's food for the trees on the earth. That something takes place, somebody else could, you guys are probably trained in this stuff, I don't know. But I know it's good for the trees. God sustains the face of the earth through what He's created. So in the natural, that takes place. But there's a positive side to our exhaling of the Spirit of God. He's not only continuing to, to deal with the weakness of our flesh. That's how He manifests Himself in the seen realm when we breathe out, there's not only the exhaling to the wonder-working power of God in dealing with our shortcomings, our weaknesses, but there's that manifestation that takes place so that as God is mighty within us individually and corporately, the supernatural is seen. He reveals Himself in our world. That's the reason that your loved ones are healed my loved ones are healed. That's the reason that there are those that hear the good news and they come to faith and believe because we manifest the Spirit. We manifest the Spirit. So listen, this is a very great opportunity to live for a short span on the face of the planet because God's given us the opportunity to begin the walk that will last forever into the eternal. I like this stuff, man. want to do a few real quick comparisons. I don't know how far I'm going to get along in this. We'll cut it down when we need to. Any of you getting bored, you can leave. We'll, uh, we'll go on from here. I just want to do a real quick comparison about our li- living in the Spirit. A couple things I wrote down. There's a tendency for us to think that our relationship with God is Periodic, because of exposure to all the minutiae I was telling you about a while ago. But I'm here to say that our relationship with God is continual. Now, that's very important 
Because here how it changes the dynamic. The whole dynamic of life on the planet is changed. It's affected. It changes the way we talk, the walk, and the way we think. For instance, I was taught all my life we needed to go to church. One day I was arrested by God and he says, I don't want you to go to church another day until I tell you to. And he taught me over the course of a few months, your life is not dependent on having other believers around you or going to a building. Your life is me and me alone. And I was like, whoa, this is interesting. So I found out if, now there's nothing wrong with being together with believers, but the truth of the matter is here, we don't go to church. We are the church. Okay? We are the church. In Him we live, we move, and we are the church. Okay? Another comparison that I, I came across in. Sometimes whenever I would get in the context of churches, and I've been exposed to a lot of denominational shingles, whether it's Catholic or Episcopal or Baptist or Methodist or Episcopalian or non-denominational or Grace Church or whatever it may be. You get in the context of believers and there's a mindset that comes across. Now, there's nothing wrong with this, but we need to encourage people in the faith. We didn't come together in order for God to show up. But the mindset in our periodic relationship with God from religious thinking or whatever, we're trying to go to church so that God will show up and do something. The reality is this. We are the church. And as a result... God is not going to just show up. He will manifest Himself all the time. He constantly manifests Himself. When you got up this morning out of bed and you opened your eyes, that was a gift from God. When you went to the breakfast table, that was a gift from God. Thank you, God, for that food. Whenever you got in that automobile, those wheels are a gift from God. Everything is manifested in this realm because of God's provision. We are living supernaturally every day. He continually manifests Himself. We're not asking God to show up. That's why when we get together, we don't start singing with the band and jumping around and going, Oh, God, if you'll just show up now, something might happen. What we're doing is saying, Father, we're here. You're here. And we are excited. Because why we're together is to watch you manifest yourself and whatever you're willing to do, go for it. We're candidates. Major shift, paradigm shift, major change. I'm chasing my notes here. All right. We have had a, we ha we've had a mindset of where our relationship comes and goes well God loves me today because I did everything right so here he's blessing me man I blew it this morning I had a thought of impurity therefore God has departed from me and we're constantly in this seesaw this pendulum and we're bouncing off the walls of religion and when the truth of the matter is we do not have a relationship that comes and goes, but we have a continual relationship that is endless. See, what happened in the Old Covenant and the relationship that God had with man was this. God said, I'm going to feed you every day. And you know what He did? He gave him manna. Bread every day. 
But it was only bread enough for that one day. And it came out of the heavens. Yes, it was God's provision. But he said, guys, go get what you need, but only get enough for that one day. Because if you try to keep it longer, it will get rotten. And whoo, God, nothing worse than spoiled food. You ever open a trash can and go, oh, yes. That would be a re- how a lot of religious thinking says, we live on the manna from God. No, sir. No, sir. There's a dynamic now that takes place in our expectancy of what God is doing. He did something in Christ where He has come back to the earth and now we live in a realm called Maranatha. We don't feast on manna day to day hoping that it will spoil eventually. No. Our praise to the Lord is Maranatha. Not only come Lord Jesus in the future, but come again Lord in me today. Live righteous through, through me today. I'm alive because of you. You are. You are. I am. I am. You are. The great I am himself has taken up residency within me and you. And now I can claim his righteousness. He's claimed me as his righteous child and heir. And as a result, my joy in the Lord is Maranatha. You have come, Lord Jesus. (laughs) I'm not out looking for something that has fallen from the heavens. I'm looking now to the one within me that has come from the heavens. I have a relationship that is eternal and divine. We don't sing God down out of the heavens. We don't praise Him down out of the heavens. We don't wait on God out of the heavens. We don't... Pray Him down out of the heavens. Those are all good and those are great. But our relation, respects to our relationship, you can't do anything to change what God has done and made available to us. Now instead of praying and singing and praising Him alone in that experience for the external, we rejoice in that because the internal relationship is valid and it's true and we proclaim I abide in Him and He abides in me. He dwells in me because I dwell in Him. And the New Testament reminds us continually as we read it with the eyes of open faith in Him, in Him, in Him, in Him. That was the letter to the churches all over the place. In Him was everything. In Him. Why? Because we are in Him. In Him. In Him. In Him. Oh, wow. I used to think that a relationship with God... What time is it? Oh, got to wind it up. All right. Here's a, here's, a, here's a wild one, guys. One final example, and I want to read Scripture. We're done. Wow. As a matter of fact, turn with me. Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3. For an example in the, un, in the, the realm that we live in, in our technologies, folks, it's like God is the Internet. We can't see it, but we can join ourselves to it. We are the computers. We're this seen thing that can be joined to that which cannot be seen. God has provided us with the technology in the spiritual realm that 
as the creation of God, we are joined as new creations. He is the internet, we are the computers. But guess what? Sometimes our computer has to be hardwired. God's so cool, He's wireless. He doesn't need the external helps. He doesn't need the external attachments. But He has made those external helps and attachments for our good. That's why we read the Scriptures. That's why we get together with saints of like faith. That's why we go to the television and watch uh, Joseph Prince. That's why we read the books that are concerning the grace of God. That's why we come to Grace Church to be encouraged in our faith in class and in corporate gathering. Why? Because it's simply a manifestation of what God has provided for us. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. Here's the line. According to the power that works within us. To, to Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. And the church says, Amen. Amen. Go in the peace of God. Hallelujah. Amen.